We're going to have probably the shortest Bible reading that we've ever had really at 10.30. It's a story that Jesus told called The Witch Fool. Well, that's what we've called it. Um, And it's from, oh gosh, I haven't actually written down where it's from. Luke 12. I have got it written down in front of me, but I've printed off the wrong page. Luke chapter 12. Jesus is in the middle of teaching a load of parables, and he says this, or the, the word says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. That sounds like the kind of thing brothers would say to each other mid-squabble, doesn't it? And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? And he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you've got plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds good to me. But God said to him, you fool, oh, maybe not, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And Jesus then interprets the parable for us. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come in the midst of your word being spoken. Make us more like Jesus, please. Glorify him. Amen. Recent studies are showing, arguably, that our attention span is getting shorter. Uh, When I was a teacher 10 years ago, we were trained that kids could only concentrate for about something ridiculous, like four minutes. Um, And it's now reduced to even less, apparently. I'm never hugely sure about that because you'll sit and watch a comedian for two hours or you'll sit and watch a film for three and a half hours and not get distracted. But there is a sense that our attention spans are getting shorter. And maybe Jesus had something in his head about that because this parable is six verses long. It packs a punch, a bit like an espresso. You've got a rich man, a skilled farmer, he's good. Um, He gets a good harvest and he invests it wisely. And there's a bit of this parable that I think seems a little bit unfair. As I was writing or thinking about this talk this week, um, I got a letter from the Church of England Pensions Board um, saying, well, I didn't really understand it, to be honest, but it said, this is how much we put into your pension every week. If you'd like to, you can give a bit more. I was like, well, I can't even afford to eat. No, thanks. Or you can choose where the Church of England invests your pension. So they've got some clever people that choose where the pension goes, and hopefully it will mean that I'll get a bit more when I retire at 108 or whatever the retirement age is going to be then. Um, or you can choose it yourself. Now, the Church of England have got rid of most of their dodgy investments. They did have a few that were a bit iffy. Um, they've got rid of most of them, I think. And I read this letter, and I didn't really have a clue what I was doing. And I'm quite jealous of people that understand uh, money really well. Ron, for example, our esteemed treasurer, We hold him in high regard. And and I look at this farmer, and I think, well, that kind of makes sense. If he's making more money, and and he's got good crops, wouldn't it make sense to have a bigger barn? 
What, what's wrong with that? It makes sense. This passage is named the rich fool, but I wonder if it's named that because that's what God says. That's not what I first think when I first hear this parable of what this man does. He's far-sighted, he's practically successful. We'd like him on the finance team if possible. He makes sharp business decisions. He makes shrewd investments. There's no suggestion here that he got his money from being a bit naughty or from being a bit crooked. He's not a dodgy Del Boy kind of guy by the sounds of it. He had a knack maybe for turning everything he touched into money. If I were to say to you Richard Branson or Elon Musk or Bill Gates, the first thing we would think of probably isn't, huh, rich fool. We'd probably, even if we think they've got far too much money, we'd probably maybe have some respect that they've done something to get there. They've worked hard. And I don't think Jesus is saying here that we shouldn't be wise stewards of our money. I don't think Jesus is saying, hey, David, cash in your pension. Don't worry about it. Sell all your homes. You know, I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think Jesus is even saying it's wrong, wrong to be economically successful or it's wrong to be entrepreneurial. I can never say that word, and I practiced it this morning, and I've said it smoothly, so that's good. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. I think what Jesus is saying is something about what the man says. He says, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. All about him. I'll do this, and then I'll do that, and then I'll take life easy. It's all about him. It's self-centeredness. I think that's the first thing we can tell from this story. There's a sense from this chap, this rich farmer, it's all about him and the money he's got and what he wants to do with it. There's a quote from a chap called Oswald Sanders. He says this, Nothing is wrong with seeking great things, but it is wrong to seek great things just for yourself. You see, this man had kind of totally factored God out of his little spreadsheet. He didn't have a sense of God at all or, or what the Lord wanted to do. This, this bumper harvest wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the Lord's provision with sunshine and rain. He's the one, Genesis 8.22 tells us, the Lord is the one that provides sea time, harvest, cold heat, summer, winter, day and night. They shall not cease. We might look outside and think, are you sure? But the Lord promises the seasons will continue. He continues to be the provider. It's all because of God. And yet this farmer doesn't acknowledge him in the slightest. It's all I, me, my, and me. What about the people that worked in his farm? What about the people in the surrounding villages that, that worked hard to help him get that harvest? Nothing about them. Nothing about the poor people in the community that might have benefited from a friendly local farmer throwing a few more turnips their way. The thought doesn't even come into his head. He stores up the grain. He forgets that Jesus says this, give us this day our daily bread. That's how Jesus teaches us to pray. Give me what I need today, Lord. Tomorrow's got enough problems of itself. Look after me today. But this isn't a new problem. Back in Exodus 16, the people of God were moaning about the, the manna from heaven, little bits of wafer bread stuff that was falling from heaven. The people wanted to store loads of it, and if they gathered up more than they needed by the next day, it had just gone mouldy and gone stinky 
and smelly. The Lord was teaching them. That's Exodus 16, verse 11. The Lord is teaching them, just take what you need for today. Each household should gather, says the Lord, as much as it needs. So the idea of keeping as much as we can, of holding things close, isn't new. And it's still a problem today. The wealth of the richest 1% of households in the UK is more than 3.6 million, compared with the least wealthy 10% who have less than 15,500 pounds. Per household. 1% of 3.6 million per household. The, well, the less wealthiest, 10%, 15,500. There's something wrong with that, isn't there? So I wonder, friends, where does God sit on, on my spreadsheet and on your spreadsheet? I wonder where the decisions we make about wealth, about investment in pensions, those of us that look at things like that, the where our money goes, where does God figure out in that spreadsheet? I wonder if we make those decisions based on God and a sense of, of our own mortality or not. Because that's our second point. This guy seemed to think he was immortal. He had no sense that maybe one day his life would end. You know, despite all our medical advances, our mortality rate is still 100%. Who was it that said that there were three things that are definite in life. Money, no, was it birth, taxes, and death? Is that, someone said that, didn't they? And, and it's not very funny, but it's true. They're the three things we are all uh, confirmed that we will put up with. Job 1, 21 says this, Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I'll return. The Lord gave and the Lord takes away. Ecclesiastes 5.15 says the same, as a man came from his mother's womb, so he will depart again. Naked as he arrived, he takes nothing for his labor to carry in his hands. So this chap died with his barns full of earthly treasure, but, but he can't take it with him. His heart, though, was stuck on empty. This shrewd man, this business person, is dead. And we're probably not going to have barns full of wheat. I don't think any of us are farmers, unfortunately. Otherwise, I'd be your best friend with my children. But I don't think any of us are farmers. But, but we might not have barns full of wheat. But we do have some kind of barns that are full of something. We have a place where we put our treasure. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Remember, it wasn't the fact that the guy was successful or had wheat that was bad. It was his heart. And I wonder, how do I, how do we store up our treasures? What is it that our heart is telling us about that? It's right and good to plan for the future, to think about having a will for loved ones and to have a pension. But I wonder if we do that in a way that also gently acknowledges that, that we don't know what the next day will hold or what the future looks like. You know, pension providers get this, don't they? Often with a pension... I know with a vicar one, when on the day you retire, you've got a choice. You can either have a big lump sum, sum on that day and then less of an, a yearly figure or a monthly figure, or you can not have as much of a big lump sum and you can have a monthly payout. And the, for me, the question is, well, it depends when I'm going to be promoted to glory, doesn't it? Because if I'm going to die in a, in a month's time, I want it all now. Um, <laughs> Whereas if I'm going to die in 10 years' time, I think I want a slow, steady income so I don't splash it all on a, I don't know, big hot tub or something like that. Um, who knows? 
So, so the pension companies get it. There's probably a financial answer of what you should do that's more sensible. But, but the pension companies get that our lives are finite. Maybe sometimes we don't. In a few months' time, we're going to be thinking about this in a bit more detail. We're going to be thinking of it during our giving week at St. Thomas's. We're going to have a chance to look at our giving, our financial giving um, to the Lord's work here. But I want to just kind of name one thing this morning, um, that we're especially grateful here for members of the church family who have left legacies to St. Thomas's Church in their will. And what that means that we've been able to do in the last few months are brand new signage that now you can tell we're a church. In fact, I think you can tell from the moon we're a church. I wanted a blimp, but I was voted down. You know one of those big balloons that goes up that tells everyone where we are? I'd love one of them. I'm still working on it. But until that point, we've got a small sign outside that says St. Thomas's Church, all for Jesus. Now, we couldn't have invested in that if it wasn't for the the, the generosity of previous church members. We've fenced off the garden. We're doing a garden project to make it safe for our kids, good for our community, easier to use. We've got a bit of a, a kind of policy that when people leave us money in their wills, it doesn't get put into the pot that everything comes out of. But we prayerfully consider, okay, what would honour that person and respect them and give glory to God? So this morning, I want to kind of, it fits in perfectly with the story. We want to give thanks for those church members who have left legacies in their wills. Um, and I'd encourage you as well this morning uh, to think about it. We've got little flyers around on the chairs that talk about it. And if that's something you'd like to know more about, do talk to Ron. Um, or have a look at that, that flyer, or grab me, um, and more importantly, pray about it. Maybe the Lord wants you to think about something you could do, to leave a legacy. One of your barns could be left to St. Thomas's. So where is God, friends, in our spreadsheet this morning? Let's end with a sentence from Revelation 12, 20, 11. This perspective kind of changes everything, I think. Then I saw says John, a great white throne and him who was seated on it and from his presence earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the thrones with their piles of money and their posh Ferraris. It doesn't say that, does it? It says, I saw the dead, great and small standing before the throne, and the books were opened. You know, Revelation 20 uses that phrase, the great and the small. And in the Greek, the word great is megas. And it speaks of having things in great quantity. It doesn't just mean people that might have exuded some kind of air of authority. It meant people that had stuff. People who had things in great quantity. Or people of a prominent position. They're, they're going to be the people with the big barns the people who have amassed great wealth, the Richard Bransons, the Bill Gates, the Elon Musks, next to those who have nothing, all stood before the King of Kings when he comes to judge the world. Jesus says in Mark 8, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You know, when we put those things in perspective, I wonder if the things that I, the things that we hold closely to, kind of change a bit of perspective. Oh, I could really do with a slightly bigger telly. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, it would, wouldn't it? It would be nice with a big... But actually, when we think 
of the stuff that we have. We can't take it with us when we go. I wonder if Angel Gabriel appeared to you or me at 2 o'clock this afternoon and said, today you will die. I wonder if I'd be pleased with the way I've spent my money. I don't mean time, and I know that's really important, but Jesus in this parable talks about money and stuff. I wonder if I'd be really pleased. I wonder if I'd stand there and say, I've honoured the Lord with what he's given me financially. If I'm honest, I'm not sure. I would. I think there'd be things I've done that I'd be a bit embarrassed about. I think I'd be a bit embarrassed that I probably spend far too much money a week that I can't afford on Costa and Greg's. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's also not that God gives me this stuff. He gives us this money, and what we spend it on has an impact. Would we be able to give an account for the way we've, we've done other stuff as well, for the way we've raised our families or, for, or been with our friends? How about the way we've used our time and our talents? Sorry, Lord, I'm just a bit too busy to do that. I'm a bit too tired to do that. I'd rather not do that. I don't like that job. Please ask someone else. You know, the rich farmer, hadn't he, as we come into land, he'd prepared a good harvest. He'd got a good building. He'd got a good three-year business plan. I think Lord Sugar would have said, yes, you can be my apprentice. Things are going well. But he hadn't prepared his heart and his soul to meet with Jesus. Death wasn't in his three-year plan. And I know we don't plan for it or put it in our diaries. But maybe we can prepare for it by using what God's given us. So we're going to pray and then we're going to sing a few more songs as we think about what the Lord might be saying to us about the treasures that he has given us. Our wallets, our bank accounts, our spreadsheets, our talents, our time. So let's just have a moment to be still before the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we long to be generous because you've been so generous to us. You came as a man. You brought the kingdom, the rule and reign of Jesus. You took the death we deserve and the punishment we deserve for our sin. You you beat the grave, you ascended to heaven, you sent your spirit. You're so good and generous and kind to us. And so we long, Lord, to honor you too uh, with our generosity. And nothing we can do can show our gratitude, but, but we long to do something in response to you. So Lord, in the quiet, we bring before you our bank balances, our spreadsheets, our financial worries, The biggest response the Lord wants is our hearts to him. So we're just going to say, I'm going to say a really short prayer this morning. Maybe you've been sitting here or you're watching online and you've realized actually, forget about bank balances and time and tithing, that the thing you haven't given to the Lord is, is your heart. 
And actually, that's the most valuable thing, isn't it? And so we're going to say a short prayer. And if this is for you, if you want to commit your life to Jesus this morning, or maybe you've realized that you've been off the tracks for a bit and you want to say a prayer of recommitment, echo this in your heart with me. And then I'd really encourage you to get prayer afterwards with our prayer team or to message us on Facebook or YouTube if you're watching now online. So Lord, for those of us who recognize that today we need to recommit to you, this is our prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I'm sorry for the times I've let you down. I want to live my life for you. So please fill me with your spirit, even now. And Lord, we pray for anyone that's made that prayer this morning, that you would indeed fill them with your presence, your power, draw them to you. Clothe them with your love and your peace and your presence. We're going to remain in this place of quiet prayer. I invite you actually to remain seated. You might want to keep your eyes shut. And we've got a slightly new song we're going to sing. The words will be on the screen. But if you just want to use this time to, to listen to what the Lord might be saying to you, and importantly, what you're going to do about it, what's the Lord been saying to us about generosity? It might not be financial. It might be anything that we're holding, any of our treasures that we put in our barns. Maybe the Lord's challenging us this morning to do something about that. So we remain seated. We do keep your eyes closed if you'd like, if that helps you to pray and listen.